Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, like us there. Uh, subscribe to the show. Listen to the show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. I think there's some new ones coming out. I think Facebook and Amazon Music are adding podcasts. We're not there yet, but... Uh, we should be here shortly. Uh, anyway, give us a five-star review, and we'll read your review on the air, and you'll be entered into a contest. If you go to our Facebook or Twitter page, uh, pinned to the top is details on the contest, a chance to, or you'll win a, a Blu-ray. From what was the Well, go U.S. You go to look their, their roster of movies, you'll see many of the ones that will be uh, offering a chance for you to win. And we've uh, given one away. Uh, Ian was a winner of one uh, recently, and uh, thank you to him for uh, for being part of the show. Yes, and I believe uh, there was another person earlier on a couple of weeks before that. Jeff, I yeah. Jeff, I was I owe Jeff. I still haven't got his yet. <laughs> I think I'll see. Okay, think, think I'm going to see Jeff, and then I don't end up seeing him. Yeah. It's my fault, entirely on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash critics pods the best way to support the podcast, and then. T Public is our merch uh, company. If you go to IHateCritics.net, up in the right-hand corner, there's a T Public link. Or if you just want to go to T Public and search for Critics Potter, everyone's a critic movie review podcast, our stuff is there as well. Then we're live on YouTube whenever we record, but we will post the link on Facebook and Twitter when we go live. Uh, subscribe to us there. Click on the little bell at the top of the page to get notified, and we can start the show. Let's share my screen for the youtube people you can watch us live as well and watch the show later on on youtube but uh with the youtube people we'll start with or everybody shang chi the legends of ten rings yes so uh, the legend of ten rings uh, shang chi uh, stars simo lu as uh as the as a young man who was trained as a, his father trained by his father as a very young person to be an assassin and a killer he escaped from his dad refused to carry out one final uh, assassination. Uh, he was only 14 years old and uh, instead disappeared into San Francisco and spent the next 10 years there, you know, just kind of hiding out, staying away from him while his dad was building this massive criminal empire. Uh, the 10 rings are the things that give his father power. Uh, he found them a thousand years ago and has been alive for over a thousand years now because of these rings and their power. Um, his father has built this you know, massive criminal empire now. And uh, Shang-Chi has to make the decision then to, to go against his father and not be a criminal and not be a killer and also defend his um, mother's village, which is this kind of magical realm hidden by a maze of moving trees and hidden in a, a countryside that is kind of hiding, hiding basically a hell mouth <laughs> that, you, that, that the father is being sort of drawn to by the demons inside. And he thinks it's his late wife, uh, which there's a lovely, really lovely story there actually about how he you know, was a criminal for a thousand years who toppled governments and murdered people that he met this woman and fell in love and gave all that up, even put, put away the 10 rings and was beginning to grow older for a time. And uh, then when his wife was killed, he went bad again, and that's where he, the whole story kind of begins there. That is weaved in so beautifully. It's really incredibly well done. This is directed by uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, who did uh, Just, Mer Just Mercy and Short Term 12 
and uh, The Glass Castle. He's an incredible director, and he did an amazing job on this. He makes such great visual choices. And the way he layers in this story, <laughs> the first time we see uh, Shang-Chi uh, do like the big karate scenes, he it's not him just finding out, oh, I have all these weird powers that I didn't know I had. No, he always knew he was he always knew this stuff. And we we get to find it out as Aquafina is finding it out. She's his best friend for the past 10 years, and she didn't know he was a secret ninja assassin. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun from that relationship. That's also not a romantic relationship, and it never really develops into a romantic relationship. There is really no romantic leading lady, which is another interesting, you know, kind of change to the to the formula because you might expect that, and then it's very unexpected that it doesn't go there. But it opens up other storytelling possibilities for the future. And there's a lot of great storytelling possibilities for the future of this character in this universe. There's a lot of Connections to Doctor Strange, uh, we we get to a lot of those kind of layered in throughout. In fact, not just merely in the in the post credit scenes. A lot of interesting stuff. I really like this. This is a really this is a really good movie. Yeah, and Disney kind of went out of their way to prove Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson's case by <laughs> releasing <laughs> by putting those, it out in theaters. <laughs> yeah, and it doing very very well. <laughs> Seventy million dollars. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what comes of that, but I was kind of at a, at, a, at a perhaps even a more irresponsible time. <laughs> right? No kidding. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if I probably would have, I mean, I did not go to the theaters because I'm still not ready. I'm getting close. I might go next week. Uh, I'm getting to the point where it's like, you know what? If you don't get the vaccine, fuck you. I hope I give it to you and you die. <laughs> there's part of me that there's that part of me that does exist. I don't mean to. Mm-hmm. Uh, be like that but it's i really plus i really want to see the what is it the oscar isaac movie next week (laughs) uh oh is the card counter coming next week i thought so maybe not uh i have no idea when it's coming i have no idea at all about that movie i thought it was next week but i don't really have any questions i don't know anything about this character uh i didn't know anything about this character prior to prior to this movie I listened to a podcast that called Tell Them Steve Day that gradually and occasion talks about comic books because it's the guys from the, the old old uh, comic book men that's no longer on TV. But on occasion, they talk about it, and they were really excited about this one. But that was kind of all I know about it. <laughs> I went into this not even knowing that, that uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton was directing this, which was a really nice surprise because I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I've liked all of his movies yeah. thus far. Uh, and and yes, yeah, so I was really I was once I saw his name pop up, I'm like, oh wow, I didn't even know. <laughs> so that was a little little extra excitement to to start the movie for me. That's awesome, uh, and it, and it's doing really well. And I haven't even like I've hardly seen any marketing on it. I mean, I don't watch a lot of TV, I guess, but uh, it's cool that it did so well. And uh, I'm curious how it plays out in the Scarlett Johansson case. <laughs> <laughs> seems to kind of make her case yeah. <laughs> anything else on shang chi no all um right. i just i i highly recommend all right let's move on to afterlife of the party afterlife of the party stars victoria justice as a party planner and just general party girl celebrating her 25th birthday she's got a best friend played by midori francis who's 
more of a, you know, a homebound person likes to be, she likes to go to her job and study and do all that stuff and not spend every night out. And that's beginning at the very beginning of the movie, they kind of have a big fight about that and a falling out. And it seems like that their friendship might be coming to an end. And then suddenly Victoria Justice's character just dies. She just falls in the bathroom due to her hangover and hits her head on the toilet and boom, dead. Uh, she goes to the afterlife where an angel tells her that she's going to have to resolve these uh, three relationships in her life before it can be decided whether she goes to heaven or hell. Uh, one of those being her relationship with her best friend. The others being her relationship with her parents, uh, each individually. Her mom left years earlier. Her dad was very doting and devoted, but also kind of a dork. And so she wasn't really <laughs> particularly close to either of them, probably closer to her dad, but not close enough. Uh, she comes back. It's been a year since she's died and she finds that uh, her father is really depressed. Her best friend is only working and not doing anything else. And her mom has seemingly moved on happily with her new family and seems like she doesn't even remember her from her perspective. And there's a lot actually that's pretty good about that. It's very basic. It's a very basic movie. It's very down the middle. This is directed by a guy who Stephen Herrick, who directed Rockstar and uh, he directed Man of the House with Tommy Lee Jones. He directed The Chaperone with Triple H. Like this is not a this is not a first rate director. He's a he's not a terrible carpenter though. And he's got some pieces here that aren't terrible. And it's really the, an incredibly low bar for this movie. Kind of made it me not hate this a lot, especially because I kind of hated other movies that we watched this week <laughs> a lot more. It kind of shined a nicer light on this movie, so I didn't mind it so much. I don't hate this. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it it's a good it's good for a Netflix movie, or it works for a Netflix movie, especially one that's not like I'm not the demographic for it at all. So it it was, just, it was watchable. It's where it needs to be. It didn't need to go to the theaters. It's not something that, and and I don't feel like, you know, fifteen twenty years ago there was a straight to DVD stigma. Then there was a you know I don't feel like Netflix has that stigma the same way straight to DVD does. Because I'm more likely to Sometimes. watch it. Because I'm well, I mean, I'm more likely to watch it. Uh, I'm from, not from, a, from a critic's perspective, though. They also gave me the same day. <laughs> they gave me that same day uh, embargo on the review. Right. <laughs> so that did that. But also, it also served to lower the bar once again. Right. The bar dropped a lot more once I got that. But not many people are critics, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't like. I just like whenever you saw a John Travolta or a, you know a even like a Robert De Niro movie that went straight to dvd it was just like oh i would have heard of that if it was good because these are big <laughs> yeah uh, now when they go to netflix it doesn't mean it's bad right away because some are really good there, there's enough there that it, it's either way and this is watchable at best i mean my daughter didn't want to watch it with us so it's again a movie for her that she didn't watch yeah so but i mean when she dies it's a pretty graphic scene <laughs> i mean she really hits her head on the toilet pretty good yeah <laughs> uh, but it's a throwaway movie that, that, that I, I gotta I, say there was a couple of scenes with the dad that were genuinely moving like he that 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 guy's a really good actor he really nailed a couple of those scenes yeah having the the yoga mat scene was a really moving yeah. scene uh but yeah all right let's move on to <laughs> worth and see, this is a movie that I hated, honestly. Um, I thought this was, I, I really think this is a better documentary than it is a, 
a potentially a movie. Uh, Worth stars Michael Keaton in the true story of Kenneth Feinberg, the man who was made special master of the September 11th Victims Fund in the wake of the September 11th attacks. And he was charged with coming up with a formula for how to pay back the people who the families of the people who died and the, and the first responders who died. And uh, there's no there was never going to be one right way to do that. Uh, plain and simple. I mean, as 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 somebody who's as an accountant, I imagine you could kind of feel for for what this guy was going through. Absolutely. You know, thinking about thinking in terms of actuarial tables and 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 stuff like that. For me, the biggest issue I have with this movie is Tate Donovan, the character played by Tate Donovan in this movie, who is a an amalgamation of a bunch of different characters, is this unnecessary paper villain who is just this mustache twirling asshole. He's the lawyer for for the richest people who were in, in the tower that day, and he's arguing that they should get more of the fun than anybody else because they were super rich and their ability to earn money was higher than everybody else's, and I get that. At the same time, they the performance is so bad, and Tate Donovan is so bad at this performance that it ruins the entire movie because he feels like he's a villain out of a Bond movie. <laughs> like he's that level of just shit, shit human being. That I'm sorry, I just didn't buy that that character could even exist. And granted, I know there's a lot of evil fuckers out there. I get that, but just the way the character is played is so bad, especially when you're talking about a movie that is otherwise so straightforward. When you include a Bond villain <laughs> in a in a movie that is supposed to be the straightforward, honest, emotional story about uh, 9-11 victims. It, it just, it feels out of place. It feels wrong. It feels like a screenplay contrivance and it took me out of the entire movie and made it impossible for me to become involved with it. Yeah. When you, t- in this particular situation, I mean, sometimes it works, but whenever you have to take three or four characters and make them one or even more and make it one character in this scenario, that group mentality allows you to understand that side of their argument. But instead of just making it one guy, like you said, it turns into a bond villain, you know it. And I don't agree. I would never agree. Even with 10 people that come together with why they think they should deserve more. And, uh, but you could at least, you know, there's people that defend murder. I mean, I don't know. People are just doing their jobs and it's their job to get as much money as possible. And that's heartless and whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to do that right. And like you said, a documentary would have been better. Uh, probably is one. I've never watched it. <laughs> but, <laughs> probably is, yeah. Uh, but you can't combine that particular group of people into one character and make it work. Uh, no. And then this one, it becomes fairly obvious, too. There's There may have been a way to make that character work, but not the way that Tate Donovan played him. Not the way he was directed to play him. He just came off as just, just the embodiment of evil. Right. Uh, I, I thought Michael Keaton was fine, but he was also just kind of doing the Michael Keaton thing. Uh, I felt for him. It, you know, it's, was it Stanley Tucci, the other one? Yeah. I thought he was good, too, uh, but not enough to... It's also, like, another simplistic aspect of this, though, if you do some research on this, is that he wasn't... He wasn't the Grinch whose heart grew three sizes that day, which is the <laughs> narrative that they play out. He was talking to the victims throughout. Right. They created this narrative where it was his his staff was doing all the work and he was keeping object. He was staying objective and above it all. And then somebody, you know, Sidney Lou who walked into his office and told him a sad story and he became involved. Like that's that's just shitty. That's a shitty way to tell this story. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not a job I would want. <laughs> at all 
<laughs> what is your life worth, Bob? Right. And that's <laughs> you know the number, don't you? <laughs> but that's an interesting idea that yeah. could have been a decent uh it could have been a good movie without making it the Grinch, you know, which is kind of how they played it out. Yeah. Uh, and it started out okay. Like I, I was interested the first half of the movie, and then it just kind of started unravel. Not unravel is not the right word, but just you fall out of the movie is really what happens. Mm-hmm. Like you said, anytime Tate Donovan's on screen, <laughs> he should just have a stamp on his head that says villain. Like that's how bad it is. But I could see people loving this movie for the simplicity of it, for the Bond villain, for the cookie cutter characters and whatever. Um, yeah, if you're if you're basic, you might like this movie. <laughs> it's not our listeners at all. Uh, what do we got? Karen. Karen stars Darren Manning as Karen, who's a uh, a woman who lives in this Atlanta suburb that's uh, essentially mostly, if not completely white. Then these two uh, black people move in. This black couple moves in. Uh, Corey Hardrick and I uh, can't remember his wife's actress name. Um, they move in next door to her. She immediately just uh, starts lashing out in weird ways, saying weird, awkward things, you know, not really doing anything to hide just how horrifically racist she is. You know, just basically kind of polite, but kind of also just awful from the very beginning. The first thing you see of Karen in the movie is her washing a black lives matter uh, thing off the ground. <laughs> like it's just very obvious, very, you know, this movie doesn't hide anything. It has zero subtlety to it whatsoever. And that's pretty much the biggest problem is that the more interesting story here. There's a woman who's she's on the housing housing uh, association, the homeowners association, and there's another character who's actually like just as racist, but very polite and trying to kind of cover up just how racist she is. And that's really the more insidious character. Karen is the easy character. She reveals how horrible, you know, villainous that she is right away. Like she's not doing anything to to pretend she's not who she is. So this vile, almost desperately disturbed you know, criminal. I mean, she's she's mentally ill, and racism isn't a mental illness. It's something that just happens every single day. It's something that that uh, minorities go through on a regular basis. From people that even seemingly call themselves allies can act as racists, as Warner Brothers clearly would say say today. They're total. They're they're allies. They believe in Idris Elba. They love Idris Elba. Then they call him by the wrong. They call him by Will Smith's character name. It's just an almost accidental sort of racism. And that's but but that's much more insidious because you're not taking care with it. It's careless. And when you when you try to assign racism as a mental illness as this movie does, you're not doing anything. You're not making a good movie. You're making a shitty movie. Yeah, it's movies like this that. When people complain about cancel culture and blah, 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 it's because of the, like, you can tell a white person made this movie, if that <laughs> and And I didn't know that for a fact when I said, when I thought that, so I had to look mm-hmm. it up just to make sure when I said it on the show. <laughs> but it, but it's one of those things where, like, the Karen character, at some point, you need to understand why she's racist, or or, or at least... Yeah, like a good villain doesn't know they're a villain, and mm-hmm. you 
Like she, you almost know she's trying to be villainous. In it. Like I don't feel for her at all. There's nothing that she's saying that's, you know, even like the Joker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thinks he's doing the right thing. And I understand that. And here, I know she's supposed to be thinking that, but it's made so poorly that it doesn't come off. I mean, it literally it's just a Freddy Krueger lady named Karen who. <laughs> You know, in the other characters, the supporting characters do their best to make her feel sympathetic and make her feel like, you know, they give her a chance. They they bring her into their party that, you know, they're what, all the exceedingly, yeah. exceedingly polite, which is you know which, what you're supposed to do. That's what society asks of you is to be exceedingly polite. And that's what they are uh, throughout. And that was that was believable. Um, certainly the that was their, problem, their part of it but the only problem with it is she's so bad not, and it's not Taryn Manning's fault it's the character no. and the direction and the writing but it's such an unlikable character that I don't believe they would have invited over it wouldn't have taken much to get you know to get it to be believable but it, it's just it's so poorly done and almost laughably bad unfortunately and, and the this, meme this can't the be. meme itself has more nuance than this movie does. Right. <laughs> like, the layers of the Karen meme is far more interesting than this movie. Uh, and it's also, you can just, you can smell the sweaty desperation that they had in trying to get this movie done and out while the Karen thing was still in the culture, while it was still kind of hot, while it still had a little bit of uh, marketing juice to it. Like you can smell just how desperate they were in the, you know, the rush nature of it all. On top of which, there's a secondary villain, Karen's brother, who's one of he is an actor straight out of Birdemic or The Room. Uh-huh. He's that level of terrible. He cannot do any line readings at all. They're just so flat and monotone and just completely awful. Completely awful. A movie like this, even if it doesn't work, and it should not work in the way like Crash doesn't work, or even American History X, which at the time I liked, but the further away I get from it, the more you can see the holes in it. This doesn't even isn't even good enough to trick you into liking it for a little while, like those two movies have done to people. So, I mean, I hope not. I can't imagine this movie taking on. A, I can't believe anybody would fall for something like this. Maybe I'm wrong, but mm. it's bad. I was really disappointed. On top of which, you're talking about a phenomenon that's happening to you know black people, or in this case, a black couple. But the movie is called Karen, and it's mostly about Karen. And it's like, here we go. To, here we go again. You're reflecting like the, the racism is supposed to be the subject of the story. The people who are being victimized should be the subject of the story. And they're not. <laughs> yeah. And the one is almost a subtle accidental racism to that. <laughs> well, that's kind of the problem with like crash, in my opinion. Same thing here. It's the one character that doesn't work is the character you need to work. And everybody else is doing their best to make it work. And because it's such a bad character, it just ruins the movie. And no, I highly recommend staying away from this one. Uh, we need to do something. I didn't have a poster, so here's just a guy screaming. <laughs> uh, we need to do something. as a new horror film from uh, IFC Midnight. And it tells the story of a family that's uh, caught in a storm, or at least we th- we assume it's a storm. We we come in uh, to the movie, you know, on this uh, sort of clouds, wind, uh, trees are blowing. There's lots of you know weather related things that are taking place, and to the point where the National Weather Service has told them told people to take shelter, and these this family is taking shelter in their very sturdy bathroom, and they figure they'll just have to ride this out for an hour while they go, while the storm blows over, but. 
slowly but surely things begin to come about. Uh, a tree gets hit by lightning and falls through their house and it blocks the door so they can't get out of the bathroom. And so they're trapped. But then nobody comes. And slowly they, they sort of layer in and reveal what's might really be happening, which might have some sort of supernatural quality to it. And it's another one of those movies that's also asking a lot of those questions like, what would you do in this situation? What's the, you know, how do you, how do you react to this? How do you interact here? On top of which, there are issues within the family. The, you know, the father is, is uh, and the mother and father are fighting. They've been growing further and further distant to the point where one of them's cheating. Uh, the daughter is experimenting with her sexuality and started the same sex relationship, and she hasn't really revealed that to her parents. Lots of things at play here, and I really liked the way that this played out. I was I, the further I get away from this movie, the more I like it. The more I'm impressed by the the use of the the camera and the room, the the way he uses the architecture of the bathroom to in his way is very interesting, and just the filmmaking in general is really strong. I, I think this is a really good movie. Yeah, I love it. It's a lot of fun's not the right word it, it's it, it's just s- stressful intense the whole time i mean it doesn't make a whole lot of sense so there's this art element to it where you just don't really know what's going on and the tension just keeps rising throughout uh when they work in the supernatural stuff that adds even more to it. I, I don't know it just it's a movie that just keeps building upon itself to the till it ends very climactically I it's I highly recommend it. Only thing I can say and it has nothing to do because the cast was great. Everybody in the movie was perfect, mm-hmm. but I couldn't help but like recast it in my head and just like got Nicolas Cage playing the dad. You know I was gonna go there. <laughs> Tony Collette is the mom. Oh my god! Maybe even let. I mean, you don't need to redo the girls, but if you mm-hmm. had like Bella Thorne or Florence Pugh, or both of them playing the two different characters. <laughs> You would have like a Mandy level like uh, messed up little horror movie. To, for for our, for the people who cross over from professional wrestling, this this actor, this lead actor, who you can see in the photo here, uh, he at times he borders on what we call X Pac heat, yeah. where it's where it's like you're supposed to hate him, but it's like you hate him in a way that is not helpful to the movie, <laughs> like not the kind of heat that he's supposed to be drawing. <laughs> But it, 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 I just—I mean, the whole end of the movie. I'm sitting there going, "Man, if they had done this, this, and this, this would have been like otherworldly good." And, but it's still really, really good, and I have nothing bad to say. I don't want to. I mean, everybody's fine in it. I don't want to take away from them. But if yeah. it was Nicholas Cage and Tony Collette, that'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> you can put Nicholas Cage and Tony Collette in, in worth, and it might be better. Honestly. <laughs> They could be the two, you know, the two characters instead of one. Do it being the ones fighting for the rich. There you go. And I mean, I don't know if she's a female Nicolas Cage, but she just she does. You need somebody that's willing to go over the top with it, and she has before, and it's usually worked out when she does. Uh, she's bold and daring, just like he is. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our undisputed classic the after school special or training video <laughs> a gentleman's agreement gentleman's agreement uh, 1947 starring gregory peck 
Dorothy McGuire, John Garfield, and uh, Colette Holm. And also Dean Stockwell was a little kid. I didn't know that. Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap is a little kid in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Based off a book by Laura Hobson. Uh, It tells the story of a journalist or reporter uh, who gets a job with a magazine and uh, in New York city. And it's a big assignment for him. And the assignment is to, he has two options. One is one he doesn't care for. And the other one is kind of one that's really kind of bold and interesting. He's going to pretend to be Jewish and experience anti-Semitism, and then write an expose on anti-Semitism. And there's a lot of good in that idea. There's a lot of terrible in that idea, but the combination is, is certainly something that's very striking. And what we get instead of that very interesting premise is a series of very, like you said, after school special, you know, uh, kind of kind of approach, and also just some bizarre choices that are made throughout this movie. Uh, basically, what starts to happen is that he starts to tell people that he's Jewish, and he starts to experience anti-Semitism. People start you know, revealing themselves to him. Dorothy McGuire was maybe the person who inspired the idea for the story. She, at least that's what we're told. And then she starts to exhibit characteristics of the people who are enacting this very casual anti-Semitism, or at least casual in the sense of just themselves. Like, well, I'm not really anti-Semitic, but at the same time, I understand why people don't want to be around Jewish people, which is <laughs> anti-Semitic in its statement. It's like, <laughs> that's a fully anti-Semitic statement. But it's like when um, you're you're at work and you have to do those mandatory training videos about you know racism or whatever uh, prejudice, and they just that's always an over-the-top actor who would say something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I get why you wouldn't want to be around them. You know, that kind of right. it's so bad and so not how it. Like you said, zero subtlety, no. zero subtlety. Yeah, and it's then you just start laughing at it, and no one's learning anything from this training video. And this, because of the year it comes out, probably helps it not age well. I'm sure it played great way back then and probably Mm -hmm. meant something, but it does not age well at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, And there's just like a weird, weird choice. There's a scene where she takes him to a party and initially her her family doesn't want him to come and then a bunch of people don't show up because they don't want to be around him because he's jewish or what and just that's just that scene happens but she, she shows him this house and they have this wordless scene of her just showing off this vacation home and i didn't understand why this scene existed we've already had We've already served the point. I guess the point is, is that later on he's going to offer he he wants her to offer John Garfield the chance to stay there, or she's going to stay there, and he stays in the city or whatever. And she becomes uncomfortable about the idea of loaning the house to a Jewish person or whatever. I don't know. I don't understand why that scene happened. It lasted for like five minutes, silent scene of just looking at the house, and I'm like, why are you stopping the movie dead to show off this house? <laughs> you're stopping the entire film to show us this house and i know it's going to be a plot point but do something say something during the scene make it essential <laughs> but that's part of the part of the reason why I, I nodded off about halfway through is i got to that scene and I'm like nothing's happening <laughs> and so i had to yeah. go back and start the movie again yeah it, which it was not fun because this is like homework anytime anytime celeste holm isn't on screen i'm like where's celeste holm where is she? I want to see her. She's more interesting than everybody else in this movie. <laughs> and she, she plays the gossip columnist at the at the magazine, and 
Uh, she's fun and sexy and flirty and like just brassy and big. And I, I adored her. I wanted her in the entire movie. I just wanted to see more of her. <laughs> yeah, it, it's otherwise borderline unwatchable. It's kind of <laughs> honestly. I mean, yeah, this one best picture. <laughs> Seriously, it, that, well, it's shit like that and movies like this and Crash mm-hmm. and whatever. That is why they call it the Hollywood elite, and everybody gets pissed off at the Hollywood media and the liberal Hollywood and all that. It's because it's out of touch. It's it's they don't understand the subtleties, like you were saying, and they always get it wrong. And it I shouldn't say always, but when they get attention like this, I mean, Crash won Best Picture too. <laughs> so <laughs> over Brokeback Mountain. So <sighs> it, it's that's why it has the reputation they have out in Hollywood. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's like you guys Such could help a, out so much if you would just stop doing this tone deaf bullshit. It's such a bad approach to an interesting idea, right? I mean, I'm off the off the cuff, it's it's kind of like a terrible idea when you really get down to it. Pretending to be Jewish to try and experience anti semitism is a really crappy idea. <laughs> There's a reason why nobody does that. Um. There's a reason why Eddie Murphy made a joke of dressing up like a white guy on Saturday Night Live because it's funny. <laughs> right. But it doesn't work the way around. It's funny and revealing in that way. This is not funny or revealing. This is just Gregory Peck becoming increasingly angry that people won't let him stay places. <laughs> well, and it wasn't trying to be funny, but it's certainly not revealing. And that no. revealing part is very important. And that's why it works the other way around. Uh, but even then, it works in a sketch on SNL, not as a feature-length movie. <laughs> right. So It doesn't under- seem to understand why anti-Semitism is bad, <laughs> which is the kind of the point. <laughs> Instead of just, it kind of like, it was to make Dorothy McGuire look bad, and she's like kind of a villain, and then she's not at the end. I don't know. I, I don't think this... this I, I understand the good intentions. There yes. are good intentions. I gather there's probably good intentions in Crash. I never want to see it again to find out. <laughs> oh, for sure. But that's that's the problem is, I mean, like you were saying, was it Warner Brothers or was it whoever did, got did it wrong? Their intentions weren't bad, but it came right. off. I mean, it's it, that's it came off like we can't tell the difference between our two leading black actors. <laughs> these two movies but racism is not always about intentions you know that's yeah. so you know there's different subtleties to it and you i, I know, it's just it's it, it's really hard to watch white people try to tell the stories about it which is what yeah. we did this week <sighs> all right this is a fast one everybody at home hope you enjoy it <laughs> Episode 499. I got nothing planned for 500. Uh, there were two throws. That's true. We do have a show coming for 500. I've uh, got a good idea. Awesome. Uh, I'll, we'll hear about that in a second then. 1991, nothing of note, company business, and cast a deadly spell. Did you watch either one of those? No, I don't think I could find either one. Yeah. Uh, next week, if I'm looking at the numbers right, the sh- website I used to get the new releases, I got The Card Counter, Malignant, Queen Pins, The Voyeurs on Amazon, 
Dragon Rider, Kate and Prey, three different movies, all on Netflix. Uh, I'll ask you for your 500 idea in a second, but 1991, Dogfight, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and Liebestrom are what come out are 30 years old next week. What's your idea for 500? Well, there's a documentary called The Capote Tapes that is coming out next week. And I thought with that, uh, In Cold Blood would be a good uh, classic for the week. In Cold Blood. I'm also going to watch a movie called Language Lessons. Uh, uh, that movie is coming out. And uh, there's another one called uh, that I've already seen that's actually might be already out called Anne at 13,000 Feet that is worth taking a look at. Anne? Anne. With an E or without an E? With an E. Awesome. Yeah. Incredible. Very interesting movie. I'm eager to get people's reaction to that film because it's a it's a challenging one. Cool. Yeah, and all the movies I listed, I don't know if we're going to actually watch all of them. I just They're all coming out is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> eventually. Yeah. They'll come out eventually. Apparently, The Lost Daughter never came out, and that was supposed to come out no. this weekend. There's a documentary on uh, Muhammad Ali and uh, Malcolm X too. That's going to be on Netflix. And oh, another documentary. Sorry, I'm I'm caught up in documentaries because we're doing the vote. We're doing the uh, I'm on the jury for the Critics Choice Documentary Award, and so I've been watching a lot of documentaries, getting ready for that. And there's a documentary that's going to be on Vice uh, tomorrow night called Com- called Too Soon Comedy After 9/11, and it's a really interesting story about about how com how comedians. Uh, dealt with 9-11 and the way things you know the way things changed so radically and yeah it it brought back a lot of emotions a lot of a lot of interesting memories you know gilbert godfrey at the friars club (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah the part of that that nobody knows though is in this documentary the part of that everybody forgets they think that you know gilbert went down in flames how he win how he went about winning people back that night is incredible yeah, they made a whole <laughs> he documentary he about that he walked off that stage to cheers he walked off that stage to cheers right well they made a whole documentary about <laughs> that alone didn't they uh, i don't i'm not aware of if they did maybe they did yeah Penn teller made it uh this is also pendulette there's also a a <laughs> there's also a lot about the onion they have, they have actually oh. got some really awesome footage from inside the onion offices in 2001 when they were writing their september 11th episode they've got a lot about john stewart and a lot about uh, how muslim comedians went about their life in the immediate aftermath That's an, yeah the aristocrats was the name of the movie <laughs> yeah came out of the i mean it was more than but came out of the gilbert godfrey uh doing that joke uh yeah that sounds interesting is howard stern and letterman on there at all howard stern is mentioned uh, a couple times letterman is a, is a big part of it how everybody looked to letterman yeah. as the leader after we're after 9-11 and how you know the how it changed the daily show and uh really great stuff uh, throughout you know, janine garofalo becoming <laughs> the the interesting point how mark Marin and, and david cross and all those guys are doing these you know september 11th bits but every time fox news talks about a comedian after september 11th janine garofalo janine garofalo janine garofalo everybody wants to go after the girl right and they're probably pissed they're not getting attention <laughs> Listening <laughs> <laughs> to Marin's podcast. 
That sounds really fascinating. So. Yeah, Marin's in there too. They talked to they. He had a lot of battles after after September 11th with with club owners who didn't want him to do 9/11 bits. Yeah. So we have a big one next week, a busy one, and it is yeah. episode 500. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, you'll get your money's worth, which is free. So <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right, let's try some uh, uh, flick chart if you're up for it. All right, Bad Boys, The Dark Crystal. Bad Boys. Agreed. The Abyss, Hot Fuzz. Flip a coin. Hot fuzz. That's fine. Be kind, rewind. James and the giant peach. <laughs> Be kind, rewind. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. The electric kind of charming. Yeah, it came out after VHS was dead, though. <laughs> yeah. The electric horseman, blue velvet. I don't think I've seen the electric horseman. I need to. I don't know if I need to or not. <laughs> 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 Black Hawk I'm Down hopeful. or Blue Velvet? Black Hawk Down for me. I don't. I'm not a huge Blue Velvet fan. Yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to say Blue Velvet, but I never want to watch it. It's too much. I'm like, yeah, I'll go Black Hawk Down. I like David Lynch a lot, but that one that's a lot of work. <laughs> Twenty eight weeks later, Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Agreed. Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story. What is Phantom of the Paradise? Phantom of the Paradise is, uh, oh man, it's like Phantom at a disco, I guess. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, but right. in a disco. No, thank you. Escape from New York. It's uh, Paul Williams, I believe it is. Escape from New York, X Men 2. Uh, Escape from New York. Yes. Beverly Hills Ninja, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Yep. This is the end. The Cider House rules. This is the end by a lot. <laughs> uh, it's not a not movie. a movie. Super Mario Brothers, Team America, World Police, Team America, Lost in Translation, Turner and Hooch, Lost in Translation, Agreed. Independence Day, Halloween Two, Independence Day, Yes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger. The Super Sky High. Sky High. Love that movie. It, Empire Records. It. I'll go Empire Records because the sequel was bad. <laughs> I love Empire Records. I, I think it's great. I. I don't like it that much. I, I don't know. I, I've got a bad feel. I, I, I'm still pissed off about the extended cut of Empire Records being so bad that I can't, that it's kind of tainted my memory of Empire Records. I've never watched the extended cut. So. It's so bad. But the the fact that it, too, is so bad, oh, I don't know, bumps me I out. actually can't remember how I feel about it anymore. I really I can't it. remember how I feel about either of them. Well, the coin flip said Empire Records, so we'll go. That's fine. <laughs> Miller's Crossing, Enter the Dragon. Miller's Crossing. Agreed. Beethoven, Treeless Mountain. I've not seen Treeless Mountain. Nor have I. Beethoven, Heathers. Heathers. Yes. 
Home Alone 3, Once Upon a Time in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West. King Kong 2005, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't care. I don't remember how I feel about either of those. I'm just gonna flip Both have completely slipped from my memory. I know I've seen them. I know I wrote about them. <laughs> I really need to read my review to figure out which one <laughs> I cared about. Old George picked King Kong. <laughs> I guess I don't have an opinion either. Ooh. Oh, for fuck's sake. Wow. K-Pax or Avatar? <laughs> I mean, I think it's Avatar, isn't it? It's Avatar. Yeah, K-Pax is just, it's so much worse than everything, so... Unless Nicolas Cage was in it. A, little, a low bar. A low bar sneaks Avatar over. Les Mis, The Fast and the Furious. Well, that's just mean. Yes, it is. <laughs> Les Mis. <laughs> Super 8, Freddy versus Jason. Damn it. <laughs> I like both those movies. Which one do you like? I think... I mean, they're both fine, but Freddy versus Jason is nowhere doesn't deserve to be as good as it is, which kind of makes me want to pick it over Super Eight, where it's where it's J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg, and it's not their best been, movies of either one. It should have been better with the yeah, All right, Freddy versus Jason, Avengers: Age of Ultron, the replacements. Uh, Avengers, yeah, replacements is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is, but I hate Age of Ultron. Batman Begins, Weird Science. Batman Begins. Greed. On Her Majesty, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Very easy choice for me. Not a Bond fan. The Big Short, Shallow Hal. Big Short. I love Shallow Hal. Agreed. Atonement, The Whole Nine Yards. The Whole Nine Yards. Atonement is homework. Yeah, whole nine yards is fun. Virgin Suicides, a Manchurian candidate, nineteen sixty. Virgin Suicide. Yeah. Tooth and Nail, Master and Commander, the far side of the I'm, world. I'm not familiar with Tooth and Nail. Neither am I. Hollow Man, Master and Commander. <laughs> Master and Commander. Marty Porkies. Uh Marty? I don't know it, but I'll go with you. It has better actors than Porky's. I think we should watch Marty sometime as a classic. Yeah. Triple X Mimic. I hate them both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have it out for Vin Diesel lately, so I'm leaning Mimic. <laughs> but that's not fair. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the movies. <laughs> uh, let's see what George says. He doesn't. He likes Vin Diesel. Triple X wins. Nightcrawler, Bad Boys 2. Nightcrawler all the way. Yojimbo Dogma. Fuck! I love Yojimbo. Yeah, Yojimbo is awesome. Fuck. But I would watch Dogma anytime anybody asked me. <laughs> I'd watch Dogma every day. At one point, I did. Now that you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> Uh, a dogma. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I mean, you know, Jimbo's better, but I, I like it, absolutely, un, un, unequivocally, unequivocally. Moonrise Kingdom, Congo. Moonrise Kingdom, all the way. Love Moonrise Kingdom. Great movie. 
Yeah. Scary Movie 2, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry Potter. Yep. Too Fast, Too Furious, Triple X. Too Fast, Too Furious. Sorry, Vin. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, Revenge of the Nerds. This is how much I hate Revenge of the Nerds. I'm picking Sherlock Holmes, too. <laughs> Parasite, Panic Room. Parasite. Yeah. Rogue One, Just Married. Rogue One. Yeah. Almost Famous, The Indian in the Cupboard. <laughs> it's Almost Famous. Black Panther, Sherlock Holmes. Black Panther. Yep. Life of Brian, the Little Ford Font Leroy. <laughs> Never heard of it. Neither have I. Life of Brian, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Agree. Fever Pitch, Sweet Home Alabama. Fever Pitch. I hate Sweet Home Alabama so much. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, Scent of a Woman. <laughs> Gotta pick Sherlock Holmes again. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's just better than the shit it's against. Yeah, Scent of a Woman's so bad. Ghost Sideways. Sideways. Agreed. Scarface Star Wars. Star Wars. God, I wish I liked Scarface. <laughs> Super 8, GoldenEye. Super 8. Yes, the Muppet movie, Major League. Major League. Yeah. The fourth kind, Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes. I love that movie. Lost in Space, Out of Sight. Out of Sight. Rituals, there's something about Mary. Not familiar with rituals. Neither am I. Lady in the Water, there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. (laughs) Solo, a Star Wars story, 101 Dalmatians. Solo. I don't really care. (laughs) Jewel Denial, the big short. The big short. Yes. Evil Dead 2, Blue Streak. Evil Dead 2. Terminator Salvation, The Perfect Storm. Perfect Storm. The Imposter, The King of Kong. Ooh, those are two really great documentaries. Two very different documentaries, but two very good documentaries. Um, Man. The thing about The Imposter is the dollop did the same story better. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, with the King of Kong. What is The Imposter? The imposter is about a French guy who pretends to be a kidnapped teenager oh, from Texas. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a wonderful life. Hostile. <laughs> oh, suddenly I want to see Eli Roth. It's, it's a beautiful life. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Stewart and Hostile. Yeah. Weird. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee 2, Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2 sucks and is still better than <laughs> Crocodile Dundee 2. Yeah. The Truman Show, Moonraker. Truman Show. We have way too much Bond in this thing. Yeah, I know. Pretty, I mean, it's bound to happen. There's a million yeah, there's Bond so movies. many of them. <laughs> Pretty Woman, True Lies. True Lies. Yeah. There's something about Mary, Galaxy Quest. There's something about Mary. 
Fantastic Beasts, Adventures in Babysitting. Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, Constantine. Bridget Jones. There's so many of these that I don't have an opinion on. It's not even funny. Yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Professional. Monty Python. Yeah, sorry, people that probably love the professional. I'm going with Monty Python, too. United 93, Bruce Almighty. United 93. Yes, Vertigo Drive. Vertigo. Yeah. But I did have to think about it. <laughs> I love Drive, but Vertigo is like, like one of the yeah. best of all time. Blast from the Past, Octopussy. Blast from the Past. Could we name a movie Octopussy today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. The Producers, Paths of Glory. There's a show on TV with the word fuck in the title. So literally well, AMC has a show called Kevin can go fuck himself. I know, <laughs> but it's not released at theaters. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Paths of glory. Yeah. The whole nine yards, 101 Dalmatians, the whole nine yards. Bewitched the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> There's not a human being on the planet that can answer that question. <laughs> a true fishing with Gandhi. <laughs> Is that how we end it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. Finally, we got one. <laughs> Instead of these throwaway titles or obvious ones. Yeah. What would you have picked? <laughs> I've never seen Lizzie McGuire movies, so <laughs> I've never seen Bewitched. I don't know if I can honestly pick it. Probably the Lizzie McGuire movie I gotta imagine is better. I mean, they're both pretty bad. I, I, I honestly couldn't dig low enough to <laughs> Well, right, but one's made for kids and one's a Will Ferrell miss. <laughs> so that's why it would probably be uh, oh. Lizzie McGuire, but I haven't seen either one, so... Oh, that's what you should do this week, then. Uh, <laughs> episode 500. <laughs> that's how we celebrate with the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> Hillary Duff's back is the number one star in Hollywood. <sighs> we got to please the algorithm. I mean, that's... <laughs> yes, because she's the one that moves it. <laughs> the top, top of mind is Bewitched and Lizzie McGuire. all right i'll talk to you later cool see ya